Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are. And welcome to the 4Play podcast, episode number nine. I'm David Turner, and I will be joined today by my fabulous co-hosts and music buddies, Mark Hollywood, Alan Jones and Darren Parr. In today's show, we are each going to choose four songs from the 60s. I know, I know, selecting any four songs from such a pivotal decade is nearly impossible. If you enjoy the show and the banter, then head on over to our Facebook group, 4Play Podcast, and let us know what your thoughts are about today's choices and what you would have picked. In the show notes, I will include a link for our Spotify playlist of today's selections. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. So the four I chose, one came straight into my head. Yeah. Absolutely no question whatsoever. And the other three, God, they were squeezed out. Squeezed in, but others squeezed out. Yeah, my shortlist ended up with about 40 songs on it. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't that short, short list? Yeah. The funny, the funny thing was, though, all of mine are from about 67 to 69. I've always yeah. said that the best era of music has, between, has been between 1967 or about 72, 73. Do you know, actually, mine are as well. Yeah. Well, kind of. There's one that's um, not quite, but it is. I'll, you'll explain later. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking. Only one of mine is earlier than, than that. <laughs> Yeah. And what was a surprise? There weren't too many overlaps. It's an interesting point, huh? Mm. Yeah, Yeah, mine's one of mine's 64 as well, Al. Okay. Which is good. I've got one that's written in 65, but I'm not really talking about that recording of it, weirdly. But yeah, interesting. Okay, guys, shall shall we kick off? Here we go then. Episode number nine, Songs from the 60s. I hope everyone's been able to... uh, to narrow it down to just four. Yeah, with a big, big challenge. Yeah. Tough, tough going. Yeah, I had a lot of songs on my long list. Eventually got it down to a short list of about 50. Um, but yeah, we're there. <laughs> so there should be some cracking songs here today, I think. Excellent. I didn't have a problem with mine. I think. Um... Okay. That'd be, become yeah, harder when you get into the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clinical, Alan. Clinical. Was there three of them there or four? Was there four of us still actually straight away then, Al, was there? Well, that's, I gave a bit of thought to it. Yeah. But I suppose <laughs> I didn't want to torture myself by saying, well, hmm, I could have had this one in instead of that one, because there's so many. Yeah. Um, I think I've just picked four songs, to be honest. They yeah. might not necessarily be my favourite on a particular day, but they were on the day that I chose them. Yeah. And a couple think, of classics. Yeah, it's going to be a bit like that, isn't it? I wouldn't say yeah. these are my favourite, but they're just great songs from the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, Darren, why don't you lead us off then? Yeah, okay, right. So my first song then was actually recorded twice in the 60s, uh, written in 1965, then released by a different band a few years later. And it's the second band that was my kind of introduction to it, I guess. Um, the song is Mr. Tambourine Man. So written by Bob Dylan in 65 and then covered by, well, covered by many actually, but The Birds did it a few years later. Um, the Birds was the first time I heard the song, as far as I recall, and I just really enjoyed it. Uh, it was the kind of uh, jangly pop, that kind of almost beat combo. You know, it was just a brilliant song. Um the differences between that one and Dylan's as well are quite staggering. 
Whereas Dylan uses four verses, I think the birds have just picked up on one verse. I think it's the second verse and just repeated that one a couple of times. Um, it's also been covered by um, Judy Collins, Melanie Odetta and Stevie Wonder. Um, and it was pretty um, intellectual in changing the face of kind of folk rock and jangle pop, make people sit up and listen, pay a bit more attention to it. Uh, both those versions have been included in the greatest songs of all time lists in various lists um, with you know great reason. I don't think Alan will approve too much because there is speculation the song's about drug use, um, particularly with lines such as take me on a trip upon your magic swirling ship. Don't think he wrote that when he was completely um, complice mentis, but great lyrics. Um, even though it's potentially talking about harder drugs, there's just a rumour that Dylan was on marijuana, recreational drugs, shall we say, at the time. Um, but he did get into LSD a little bit later in his life, as we probably all know. So, But that's in there. And to be honest, it could be, it's the song. We're looking at songs for this, right? Yep. So we're looking at the Tambourine Man, but it could be either version yeah. in there in the 60s for me. Good choice. This, this is one of the, the few songs that I heard the uh, the birds version first, yeah. and then in later life I heard Dylan's version, and I much prefer Dylan's version. I, it's uh, more folky, mm. and um, I think the 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 lyrics come out in Dylan's. Well, they always do, don't they? I mean, he is he's uh, he's a Nobel laureate, isn't he? Um, so. Yeah, good choice. I, I'd go with Dylan's version. Yeah, yeah, I think that edges it for me now, even though it's originally the birds that I heard first. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to counter that and say, no, you should stick definitely with the birds. Um, <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact there was obviously some toll uh, that drugs took on the band, poor Gene Clark. Uh, mm. David Cosby spent time in jail later on. Mm. But they were able to convey that trippiness and that, you know, this was... Um, even before the summer of love, but it was really getting again high. You had the music, the the guitar, soaring guitars that just elevated you and took you up there. So the, there's a whole sense of drama about it that that you didn't have in the folk songs. So it's 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 actually become two quite very different songs from from the same lyrics. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can remember my, I played this once uh, to death. It was my sister. She probably only had maybe 10, 15, seven inch singles when she had a dance set. And um, I can just remember playing this loads and loads and loads. Um, you can see it now dropping down onto the platter. Nice. Uh, um, I, I must admit, I don't think I've heard Dylan's version versions that often. I might not even, even have heard it. Uh, but. Um, yes, great song, classic song. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, right about you know, you know the uh, the sixties, flower power, and all that malarkey. Yep. Yeah, great song. Great. I'll overlook the drug references on this occasion. <laughs> um, I, I can't promise there won't be another one in the show either. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, um, weirdly, totally coincidentally, yesterday I heard. Um, Another little fact about Bob Dylan, you guys might know already, but he's it's he's nicknamed the Never Ending Tourer or something like that. And actually, since 1988, he's performed 70 shows a year, every year. Wow. Yeah, I, I felt... Sorry. 
No, just uh, I fell in love with him um, in Glasgow. He was playing. Um, did she tell us about this? Well, I'm sorry, Alan, but <laughs> there comes a time. It, so it was it was with Van Morrison, and um, yeah, I threw my knickers and everything at him. Uh, I, I I just thought after that, I, I remember it's a shout out actually to my old physics teacher Leslie Emerson. Uh, Le, Leslie was um, she was the first, I believe, Protestant, never mind lady, but the first Protestant to teach at the Abbey in in Uri. And uh, we were all just uh, in awe of her. She was just a great teacher, a, a lovely person. And um, she was hugely into both Van Morrison and, and Bob Dylan. And I, I used to, she used to play uh, Dylan all the time. And I thought, this is rubbish. And it was only in, in later years, in the late 20s, early 30s, I realized, yeah, she was definitely, everybody was onto something there with Dylan. <laughs> and I, when I went to see him in Glasgow, um, it, it just proved, proved the point. He was, he was outstanding. And it's yeah, and he's he's constantly touring. Yeah, constantly touring. Yeah, amazing. I still haven't got to see him. I do need to see him at some point. Yeah, do do. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Cool. Cool. Okay. Look, that's a great kickoff then. Follow up yes. with follow that one up then, Alan. Was it me or Voodoo Lady? Whichever you want. Yeah, <laughs> Voodoo Lady. Where am I? What am I kicking off with? All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So as I was saying, as I was saying earlier, um, my first one's from 1964. Um, uh, it was originally released in 1964, uh, but it was so successful it was picked up by um, uh, MGM and uh, got a proper release in March 1965. Uh, written by a chap that you probably never heard of, Domingo Samudio, and. Uh, what it is is actually a reworking, rewording of a 1962 tune. So I can go back even further called Hey Gully Now by a fantastically named group Big Bo and the Arrows. And uh, they basically gave Domingo Sam Audio permission to re rewrite um, the lyrics. And um, this is a song called Woolly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Brilliant. Class. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those songs that you've probably heard it a number of times, but if you try to understand what uh, they're actually singing, it's very difficult to understand what he's saying. Um, um, Sam said that it was about his cat called Woolly Bully. And um, it basically, the start of it is, uh, oh, one, two, one, two, three. <laughs> and then, and then, it's, then when he starts singing, he says, <laughs> well, you, it's a bit like Vic Reeves in the club singer style but the words are Matty told Hattie about a thing she saw had two big horns and a woolly jaw which is he's describing the cat in a kind of weird way um, but yeah um, I love this because it, it reminds me of um, uh, doing discos 
and uh, DJing, and often it was the last fast tune of the night. And normally, I played it at least twice because the crowd by that time <laughs> were off their heads um, uh, and delirious. And so they often had to play it again. You know, it was, it was that good. Um, yeah, I, I played this to death. Um, I don't know, can't really remember how I came across it, uh, where I heard it first. Um, but um, yes, classic, classic song for me. Um, I suppose it may be a bit seen as a bit of a, I don't know, gimmick song, or is that the right word? Novelty. Novelty mm. song, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, watch it now, watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you where I first heard it. Uh, and I watched the, the same film two nights ago, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, is it in there? It's, it's thrown in there like a grenade, to yeah. excuse the metaphor. And Wooly Bully comes on. What the? What song is this? But it's so good. And typically, Stanley Kubrick sticks something uh, a bit, a bit like Tarantino, perfectly puts uh, a scene and uh, a, a juxtaposition of a song in there and woolly bullies in there when they're in, in the thick of it in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. It's, Brilliant. It's a, it's a stuff and nonsense song, but it's just got something about it. Oh. You know, it's very catchy and um, I suppose it's, it's be a bit like a bit of a cross between like Scar or something like that, I suppose. Yeah, it's got a touch of it. Yeah, but... Um, Good old Domingo Samudio. Well, I, I, feel like I, I feel like I've walked into an episode of the Twilight Zone, so I've got a clue what you're talking about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm intrigued. It sounds really, really good. Um, have you, have you seen the film? Have you seen the film Full Metal Jacket? I have, but a long time ago. Yeah. Um, when I watch it again, I'll go, oh, yeah. But... Yeah, it's 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 on a loop at the minute on Sky Movie, so if you get a chance, uh, okay. yeah, just watch it. Yeah. Bully Bully. <laughs> Never yeah. mind the fact that it was one of the greatest war films of all time. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's the song seems to have passed me by, so that's another one I'll be playing this evening. Brilliant. Fantastic. I love it. That's great. Great one. Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to give much. you a quick blast, Daz. Sorry? I was going to give you a quick blast. <laughs> oh, that was a quick blast. Thanks, Al. <laughs> <laughs> You get the gist of it. That's our PRS rates through the roof, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> four, three, four. I have to renew that license now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Mark, why don't you lead us off with your first one? Well, do you know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I can't segue Wooly Bully in the next <laughs> song in any way, shape, or form. Go on. Uh, from, from Domingo to Lennon and McCartney, I think the Beatles had to get in there and uh, head and shoulders above everything <clears throat> they've done. This song, when, when we spoke about the, the theme for this week, um, uh, you know, the best songs of the 60s, the other three I really, you know, struggled to squeeze in. You know, I knocked out songs like the Who's My Generation, a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin. Uh, this song, easily in at number one, It's um, it was written in February 67. It was released in May 67. It's, uh, it's it, I think it's their finest composition and it is, it's a two part, maybe three part. You've got a squeeze in the middle with uh, McCartney. Uh, they wrote it at night 
all, all the entire song at night because um, John Lennon get into a very bad habit of um, getting up at midday and they wouldn't start recording until about half seven at night and they'd finish at 2.30 in the morning. Their roadies alarm clock is used in this song as well. It starts off with a real, like a strumming guitar then uh, bursts into a real, real heavy bass piano and it, it is a day in the life. And uh, I, I just, I, I think this, this song is, for me anyway, it's off the Sgt. Pepper album. They were going to have a concept album. This wasn't quite their concept album, but they did want to write um, a concept album about uh, their childhood in Liverpool and A Day in the Life came out. Uh, this was probably the first song that the BBC, I, I can be corrected on this, but the BBC banned because it had a line called, I love to... I'd love to turn you on. And, and the reason why they used that line was um, it was from Tim Leary's uh, Turn On, Tune In, Dropout. And McCartney basically said, we, we wrote, I'd love to turn you on. Um, John and him give each other the knowing look. Yeah, yeah, it's a drug song, but actually it could be, there could be a sexual innuendo in there. For that reason, the BBC banned it. Yeah. Uh, Another another wee fact about it uh, was the you know the line about uh, he blew his mind out in a car was actually about a friend of theirs uh, the death of Tara Brown who, who died in the car she was going to inherit the fortune to Guinness and uh, she was killed in a car crash so that opened the lines of that and then there are other lines in it four thousand holes in Blackburn Lancashire and I love the way Lennon says Lancashire I say Lancashire I don't know what you say but um that's uh, a line they read in the Daily Mail and it was all about potholes, just a simple uh, uh you know, a simple column on, on potholes in Blackburn and he stuck that one in there as well. And it just seems just to be seamless. Especially the part where McCartney jumps on the bus and he goes into this kind of wee dream, you know, woke up, got out of bed, trying to comb across my head. Just mm. Class, love it. It's it's in there easily um, as as my first choice. That, um, I confess that was the first one that went onto my list, but you're in there first, so <laughs> right. I, I can only agree with everything you've just said. Yeah, yeah, I can't not, argue with you. Yeah, one of the best Beatles songs for me as well, by a long stretch. Whatever generation, whatever decade, but yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's even a week off the cap to Buddy Holly. So, um, you know, the, the opening, well, he says it a few times, actually. I read the news today, oh boy. Mm. And and that's that's a week kind of, and, and then he said, uh, I saw a, I saw, a, I saw a film today, oh boy, the English army had just won the war. And that was a, that was another day off the cap to his, John Lennon's acting career. You know, when he, um, he started in that war movie, and he adopted the round glasses, oh, yeah. and the round and the round glasses stayed with him until his until his uh, unfortunate demise in nineteen eighty. Well, if you guys have got this one, it's uh, right there. Yeah, funny cover. Yeah. Oh no, I've, just, got, I've got an early pressing, but not that one. Go that on. was um, that was the one that was just released 50, 50 years. Oh yeah, years ago. Yeah, I, I remember. Visiting um, Strawberry Fields in Central Park, New York, you know where he was shot, and this this was the song that just came into my head when I was sitting there look, looking at 
this this um, little it's not, it's not it's not a mosaic. It's just a, a it's it's something on the ground that uh, symbolises him and, and um, yeah, it's called it's called Strawberry Fields in mm. Central Park. But this was the song that came into my head. I don't think anyone's yeah, got anything to contradict it. It's, it's that, just that really perfect. really add to it, really. Yeah, it's great. It's, um, I suppose the only thing you could say is uh, the production on it is um, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. And the production, just like, you know, a lot of the, you know, the later Beatles, you know, particularly the, the later albums, because, uh, you know, they could get in with, with experimenting and, you know, the way that they did the recordings and that. Yeah, great. Yeah, well done, Mark. Good chaps. God, it's a follow-on from that, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, it's you, David, isn't it? Good luck. <laughs> okay, so this one is a traditional folk song. Um, it's about a person's life gone wrong in New Orleans. So I think you'll probably start to guess what it's going to be. Uh, it is House of the Rising Sun. Um, never agreed exactly where they got their inspiration for the arrangement for the song. So obviously it was a, a traditional song. Um, Bob Dylan is cited as a, as an influence, a former version. Um, also Nina Simone, who produced, who, who released the same track. But look, boy, when I put this on, this just transports me. It takes me to the 60s. It takes me to New Orleans, but maybe not to the bordello that uh, it evokes in there. Uh, interestingly, they only performed uh back end of 62 and, and and into 63 and this was released in 64 and they deliberately went on to produce songs with intense arrangements this one being obviously one of the one of the best so they could be the most memorable band on the multiple act tours around the uk when they started out so you'd have uh, eric burden's howling vocals on there you get this dramatic arrangement you get Alan Price, who appears two two pods in a row, um, yeah. with uh, playing his his haunting organ riffs on there, uh, it, it was certainly went down a storm in a lot of places. In fact, and I didn't even realise this, it became um, one of the most successful. Sorry, it was their most successful song um, that came out, and it was number one in in both the UK and in in France and in the US. So they went on a long way just from. I think trying to grab the crowd's attention and you just need to put this on. I'm not sure I can name many other animal songs to my shame. I've got, I've got a couple of Eric Burden albums on there, but for, for me, yeah, this, this is uh, yeah. when I think of the sixties, this just captures it for me. Uh, I, I know a guy who could name the rest of the songs. I met him in a pub in New York. <laughs> he, was the, he was the bass guitarist. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Great choice. Great choice. Yeah, you followed the Beatles well, I think, with that one. It's just a yeah, great, great keyboard from that. Atmospheric. Atmospheric, yeah. yeah. So I can't think of anything else. Okay. I, songs. Oh, I was racking my brains as well. I'm sure our listeners can. Yeah, please feel free to donate uh, a few more names on there. <laughs> Slav. Who did... Um, Please don't let me be misunderstood. Who was that? Was that the animals? Oh, they, they did a they did a few uh, covers. I'm sure. Need to look. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, don't let me be misunderstood. There's Is there's that, another one. Yes, I get a point. They did, oh, well. they did bring it on home to me. Bring it on home to me. You know that one? No, I don't think so. All right. They didn't have a cat. Uh, <laughs> bully, 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 bully. Okay, okay. Let, let's, let's cut over then to back to Darren. Right, we're on the second lap, are we? We are. Okay, so this next track is from 1969. Um, I don't know if we were... Were we recording when we talked about this? But we said that most of our choices seem to be from the late 60s. Yeah. Really interesting. So Mr. Tambourine Man was obviously 65. This one's 69. And it was the lead single from an album called Green River, released in April 69. Um, the song's been recorded by over 20 different artists. And this is ranging from folk music to reggae to psychedelic rock, um, everything you can name. Before I name it, I'm going to see if you can guess. It's been used in a number of films. Uh, it's been used in films such as My Fellow Americans, Twilight Zone, the movie, Howling Free, Blade, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, My Girl. It's been used in loads of TV. It's been used in Teen Wolf, The Walking Dead, Northern Exposure, even Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's also a song on Guitar Hero 5. Um, <laughs> There's one film that I missed out there because this is where I first discovered the song. It was used in a film, um, An American Werewolf in London, back in the early 80s. Um, I think it's the scene where the two hitchhikers walk into a pub and then um, they everyone turns their heads, looks at them, what are you doing in these parts? They leave again, get mauled by a werewolf to the tune Bad Moon Rising by the Creedence Clearwater Revival. Class. Um, yeah, and I think my first experience of that song, I'm sure, was watching that film back when I was sort of 11, 12 years old, something like that, I'd imagine. What? Yeah, uh, naked and, woman in that? I know. Yeah, the lovely Jenny Agatha. He's still <laughs> oh, going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Calm down. Yeah, unbelievable. So, yeah, that, I did. I was quite excited by Jenny Agatha when I was young, I must admit. <laughs> She's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and drum. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and before we get your thoughts on it, just a, a really weird fact about this song. It's used as an Argentinian soccer chant. Um, I couldn't exactly find out what. Um, it's, the lyrics are often misheard as, there's a bathroom on the right. And apparently, Fogarty will often sing when he sings it live, there's a bathroom on the right, instead of a bad moon on the rise. Oh. Um, and... <laughs> Finally, Man United as well have adopted the chance and they sing Stratford and the Rising to it. You think that your moustache is trendy and ole ole and a Herrera. And they do fit. I've tried singing them, but I'll let you work that out. <laughs> Traditional Argentinian folk song then. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, so your thoughts on Jenny Agatha? Oh, sorry, on Bad Moon Rising. <laughs> uh, my, my thoughts on both are excellent choices. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really, really, I really like Creedence Clearwater Revival, and it, it, there's another film linked to this, uh, and it's uh, The Big Lebowski. It's, it's um, one of two of my favorite films of all time, yeah. and they have a lot of Creedence, and, and and as a result of that film, I get into Creedence Clearwater Revival, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize they sang, they sang that or that or that. Nice. Bad Moon Rising being one of them. Yeah, excellent choice. Yeah, thank and, you. And. Uh, yeah, and Jenny Agutter and Logan's Run. Oh, Who are misses? Yeah. Yeah. Another good film. Yeah. I prefer in Call the Midwife. 
<laughs> I was yeah. showing my son some clips uh, this morning of America Wealth in London, and he was just laughing at the transition from man to wolf. I said, no, but that's scary. It was really scary when I was young. <laughs> not anymore. Not these days. <laughs> I'll make Charlie sit through it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I can't say I've got any credence clear water revival. Perhaps I need no. to fix that. I'm not sure I have, to be honest. Who's the lead singer? Uh, Fogarty, John, um, John Fogarty. Tom, yeah, John Fogarty, right. yeah. Uh, you, you want to start with probably Cosmos Factory, or at least to listen to it, see if you like that. That would be a, a oh, great right. entry yeah. point. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that album cover in the shops and uh, just glanced over it. I like the song, Looking Out My Back Door. Yeah. There's, yeah. Well, you look out your back door. Looking out my back door. That's that's what that's what you can do. <laughs> look what you could do. Look out your back door whilst you're listening to looking out my back door. <laughs> Can you? And see if there's a bad moon rising. Yeah. On the right. On the right. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the bathroom on the right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I think it's Everyone great. You hear it now, Honestly, like... this is like ten in the morning, and no one. Alcohol has been involved, <laughs> or illicit drugs, because Alan told us not to. Yeah. I, you see, I can't get over the fact that you, you know, okay, I can't get over the fact, but you're a massive Stranglers fan, and their biggest hit is about heroin, Golden Brown. Right. You know, it's yeah. just pure coincidence. That's yeah. the yeah. only song that was. It's a denial. And incidentally, they've got a new album coming out in September, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that on a nice black of... vinyl, isn't it, coming out? Yeah, I bought the, got, I went for the deluxe set. I thought you might have done. Yeah, no, I'm a massive Stranglers fan. Yeah, nice. I never I'm sporting. Today I'm sporting the Rosillos. All right. Oh, mm. I think I've got porcupine tree today. What have we got on? Porcupine tree. Porcupine tree. We're going off our T-shirts for the listeners. It's spiky. <laughs> I'm, I'm topless. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. You well, don't need... got, is that Roots? That's from uh, Canada then? Yeah, it's a Roots top from Canada. Canada. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've yeah, got I my red socks top underneath. I brought my kids back a couple of Roots tops. Excellent. Yeah, I love it. I could spend I could spend the ages in, the, in their shops. Yeah. Darren, thank you for that yeah. choice. That's good. I, you, I, I, I really like that one. And... Nearly everything Jenny Agatha has been in. Yeah, absolutely. Including Call the Midwife. Call the Midwife. No, there's probably a cut-off. She's going to be in the new Railway Children as well, I think. There's a new film coming out. She was, yeah. I was sure of in early teens then, but uh, yeah, she was massive in the 70s. And then Call the Midwife. Is she not a nun in Call the Midwife? Or am I... I think they all are, aren't they? Or most of them. Yeah. Yeah. You're a strange man, Alan. I don't watch it. (laughs) Of a rule. My okay. wife watches it and she thinks it's great. Yeah. You can watch her earlier works. Yeah. <laughs> come on then, come on then, voodoo lady. Excuse me. Uh, right, on to number two for me. Uh, this was released on the 18th of July 1966, not a day before or a day after. And it's often praised as one of the greatest songs ever written and as the band's finest ever record. Um, 
The words are expressed as a narrator who asserts life without his lover could only be understood by God. So he's saying, he, if he didn't have his lover, the feelings that he feels would only be understood by God. And it's written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher, and it's the fantastic track by the Beach Boys, God Only Knows. Um, it's got some amazing vocals in there by uh, one of the Wilsons, Carl. And um, so, uh, from my research, it was saying that some interpretations of this song, uh, that it, it's about um, a guy who's considering suicide because so he can't live without, if he didn't have his, you know, his lover. Um, it's got some fantastic production in this um, and some amazing harmonies. Um, it's from the Beach Boys, probably one of their great, their greatest ever albums, Pet Sounds. Um, it's one of those songs that's got, it's got a definite structure to it. So you've got the introduction, then you've got a verse, and then the last sort of, almost feels like more than a third of the song is a refrain where they're just, they're basically singing the same words, um, God only knows. And it's repeated in different tones and, and chords. And, and it gradually, you know, then fades out. But I mean, some of the, the structures of these are, are amazing, how they, how they came up with them. It's almost like heavenly um, when you listen to it and it takes you to another place. Yeah. And um, that's, um, it's one of those ones that, you know, gets you, I think. Um, but yes, yeah, classic song. So when you guys came up with, uh, when, when we came up with the idea for the 60s, that is one that did come straight into my head. And, um, you know, you, you, as soon as you hear the, hear the words, I may not always love you, you know what's coming next. And uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So you never tire of the song. And I think that's why it gets the recognition that it has. And it, uh, it's timeless, fantastic. But this was quoted by Paul McCartney as being the greatest love song ever written. Yeah, High praise well, indeed. What does he know? <laughs> what does he know is right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely stunning song, isn't it? I think we may have said before, actually, on a previous podcast about this. I remember saying it to somebody, but there's a version by Diesel Park West. Have I mentioned that before? Yeah. And it's actually, I mean, it's not a patch on the Beach Boys version, but it, to cover such a mighty song, I think they do a really, really good job of it. Mm. Uh, that's worth a listen. It must be very difficult to, to re, you know, reproduce that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You must you have know, Alan, haven't you? A nice I haven't got that one. Um, yeah. I've uh, missed out on that one. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, but um, I then picked up, I think, same copy as Dave's got. Um, what one is in mono in green in, in green vinyl, and then you get the stereo version in in the yellow vinyl. Oh yeah. Yeah. So two separate discs, but yeah, that looks lovely. I, I missed out on that. I, right. I the production quality of that one, Darren, wasn't so good. No. So, no, no, I read that actually. So good to sidestep which it. one? The, the one yeah. with the split colour. Oh, right. Um, 
No, but yes, fantastic, uh, fantastic song. And uh, let's say one of the best songs ever written. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, yeah, if, if I was going to do a mixtape for a girl uh, these days, that would be the first song on, on the uh, on the mixtape. I reckon Jenny. Uh, obviously, obviously, if I fancied her. Yeah. <laughs> if right. it was my pal, if it was my pal, um, no, a day in the life would be good in there. Yeah. <laughs> Did your missus stop looking out the back door at the moment? Paddy's looking out the back door, looking, wondering where I am. <laughs> oh, and this is great. So that's my number two. I, I, yeah, I, you can't, you can't put songs in from the 60s without having a Beach Boys song in there, can you? Um, excellent. So then, Mark, follow that one. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it today. <laughs> and, and, and just before we came on air, I think uh, we said that most of our songs are the late 60s. Mine have basically been between 67 and 69. And, and before we even had this conversation, I've often said uh, to to friends when we've had chats about music, uh, I guess my favourite genre, uh, or, or well, time in, in, in rock and roll and all the rest of it has been between about 67 and 73, uh, some some of the greatest songs. And that's why it was so, so difficult to choose these. This third song, anyway, um, um, critics said it was one of the early crossovers of uh, blues rock and heavy metal. Um, it um, it was known in it's it was known in Argentina, Brazil, Canada, India, Italy, Japan, as Abueno, uh, in Portugal and Spain it's Wibien, and South Africa and Venezuela it's Obien. Um, it was also um, inspirationally used by Led Zeppelin uh, for their track Black Dog, uh, which is a belter of a track. It's where the, the song kind of breaks right in the middle stops and then thumps on again it is of course oh well it's parts one and two and the reason why it's part one and two is because on on the record itself um it's i can't help about the shape i'm in i can't sing ain't pretty and my legs are thin so we all know that bit that's the bit they play in, at the gigs uh, peter green obviously wrote penned it and, and played the guitar on it then you flip it over onto the b-side part two and it's essentially it's a spanish instrumental and not a lot of people know that they only know the first part uh the part that he, you know he plays at yeah. the gig but um peter green's when he when he penned it back in 1969 he, he said um he, he just got tired he got weary of side a and it's been played ever since by by fleetwood mac um only two of the guys who are on the original track uh, are still playing with Fleetwood Mac. That's John McVie on bass guitar, which is heavily present in, in, in the track, and uh, the great McFleetwood on drums. Uh, it goes in at number three because I, I guess I could have put this into last week. Uh, my dad had a load of singles just sitting in the cubby hole, as we called it back home, under the stairs, and uh, I'd be babysitting my brother and sister, mum and dad would be heading out for the night and I would get all the all the, the records out and play them on this old record player that had a 17, 33, 45 and 78 speed. 
and I, <laughs> I came across this this tune, uh, and played side side A and side B, and I was just mesmerised <laughs> by it, absolutely mesmerised by it. That and uh, are you going to shoot me down to the next one, Mola Kintar? Uh, but that, that's a, this, that's 1977. But I, I play these relentlessly, as Alan would say. I played them to death. Um, so yeah, oh well, has got in there with um, with his Ramirez Spanish guitar on side B. And if you haven't heard it, you've got to listen to it. It's it's brilliant. Which album did you say it was off? It's off now. The album. Uh, do, 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 do. Sorry, no, man. I did. I I did have the album. Uh, this called Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, so it would have been because he left in 1970. He had uh, real issues with his mental health, probably because of, <clears throat> of the amount of drugs he was taking at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was acid related, but. Uh, yeah. No, I did look earlier it, on, and I did yeah, find it was, it's on them play on. Yeah. It was on them play on. I've got it, and I've got it. So, um, yeah, yeah, he did get fried, didn't he? He did. He fried his brains. He fried his brains. And and I can kind of relate to this. When I was a young lad listening to this, uh, the, you know the opening lyrics. I can't help it about the shape I'm in. I can't sing. I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. Oh well. <laughs> just class <clears throat> yeah I, I actually saw this being played live last year brilliant uh, oh. not by Peter Green Peter <laughs> um, but shortly after he passed away because he passed away last year didn't he I think. was it last mm, year last year um, and um, back home in Tembe, um I've mentioned him before the manager of the record store in Tenby Dales, uh, a yeah. guy called Richie Weston McCock. He's a great local musician and also he plays with his wife Arlene. And for weeks and weeks on Thursday nights, um, no, last summer, when, during the lock, lockdown, lockout, lockdown, um, we, uh, he's, they would go out and play on the uh, live, just, just, um, just either side of the clapping for the NHS. So start at 7.30 and then, you know, play about an hour, settle together. And one night he, they played a load of Fleetwood Mac songs and they played this in, the, in, the, in its entirety. So it's just Richie on guitar and his wife Ar- Arlene on the bongos and the percussion. But a fantastic rec- uh, uh, a di- uh, version of it. And so it was live and um, I, you could go in, you could watch it on live streaming. And yeah. Um, yeah, so brilliant. Yeah, great song. Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to see Fleetwood Mac on, in 2014 uh, when Lindsay Buckingham had joined the band again oh. and Stevie Nicks was back. Fantastic, but it, it, few people appreciate what happened before Buckingham and, and Stevie Nicks came, came on board. This would have been about six years afterwards. Like, Green wrote some great tunes. Albatross is another um, mm. huge, huge hit and uh, Black Magic Woman. Uh, but it, it all credit to the song still been played to this day by the by the the current setup of, of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, which now includes Finn as well, doesn't it? <laughs> Neil Finn. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. A great addition from Credit House. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw 
I saw Fleetwood Mac live um, on the Tusk tour. That was uh, March 1980 at Wembley Arena. Wow. Uh, it was great. That was, that was a very good concert. I got a uh, six. All right. Yeah. That was shortly after I hadn't, I hadn't, hadn't been in London two months. And um, there I was going to see uh, Fleetwood Mac. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Good, good choice, Mark. Yeah, I've never heard that Fleetwood yeah. died. I need to listen to that. Yeah, I, I'm sure back in back in Uri, um I don't know if my sister stuffed, stuffed all the records into the loft. But uh, it's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. If we find yeah. it from our playlist, then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just uh, hopefully, hopefully we get the full, the full side A and side B for, for the listeners. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, you should be able to. Yeah. Well, it's on the album. It's it is part one and two, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. And it's only part one and two <clears throat> because uh, singles back then were three, three and a half minutes. Yeah. So side side is three minutes twenty two, and part two is two minutes twenty two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh well. Nice. Oh well. Choice. Superb. So well, we nearly have one, aren't we? Are we over to David, aren't we? We are. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Tell me when you recognise which which song I'm talking about here. Okay. 1967. Uh, it went to number one in the UK and 40 years later so it would be named one of the most played records of the past 70 years uh, so it, there's been more than 900 known recorded versions by other artists of this particular Is it song yesterday? no Ooh. John Lennon was said to be a good fan of it big fan of it so that blows Ooh. out your choice he used to play it on his uh, on his record player which he had fitted into his psychedelic Rolls Royce and it's another one of those of uh, fewer than 30 singles to have sold over 10 million copies worldwide. It has uh, haunting bar instrumental motifs on it. It has soulful vocals. Oh, it has unusual lyrics. Go on. I think it's a waiter shit appeal. You're in. You've got it. Ah. Prokoharam. Uh, and it's my shortlist, this one as well. Yeah. I tell you. Uh, that was close to being in. Yeah. No surprise, really. And confession time, I used to hate this record. <laughs> for, for a long time, I just really couldn't get on with it. But then I saw, I think it was Woody Allen's New York Stories. And you had uh, Nick Nolte, if I remember rightly. He was playing this uh, uh, painter doing this great big mural or huge picture and splashing paint on it. And he had a cassette player and he kept on putting whiter shade of pale on there and it inspired him and got him going. And ever since then, I just can't stop listening to it it's, it's just a great great album we, we all know it i don't need to go on too much about it uh what i would just add as a as a kind of footnote around it it was named as the joint winner of the best british pop song between 1952 and 1977 along with another song and they both share the same word in it bonus point for who can name what that other what the connected song is Mark, Mark, this is for you. Pale blue eyes. No, no, it's a more obvious word. Think of the first line of uh, White a Shade of Pale. Oh, got it. Bohemian Rhapsody. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, 
I'm sorry, I'm not one. Beat you too quick, man. <laughs> Hang your head in shame, Mark Hollywood. <laughs> oh dear. What's well, the connection in the two titles? Fandango. In the two, in the songs, in the lyrics. Oh, yeah, but I thought you meant in the first line oh, of the right, song. Right. First, I thought you meant the first. Okay. I thought you meant the name of the song. I apologize. Yeah, I oh, sorry. Yeah, same here. Same here. That's yeah. that's what we're dreaming. Oh, that's what we're dreaming. I'll just edit that. Of course. That. I'll edit that. I like it. Quiz. I love it. <laughs> there we go, guys. Halfway, halfway through our sixteen. Unfortunately, that's where we need to come to an end for this episode. We'll continue next week with the next eight choices. In the meantime, in the show notes, I will include the Spotify link for the songs that we will have selected in this one and in the next episode. And please join us then. Thank you. Bye-bye.